spoke about the power of subjects, the reason why we preached about the Ark of Covenant is because for the past months during our, um, our, our, our Bible sessions, we've been talking about the, we spoke about the tabernacle of Moses, so I thought of picking one finisher that is in the tabernacle of Moses. And right now, I think we are dealing with the power of the world. So we spoke about offerings, we spoke about tithes, we spoke about festivals. So I picked the uh, offering and tithes. I just want to help you because it's very important that when people are faithful to God and they are practicing and they grasp a certain dimension, you then couple that dimension with data or information. We spoke about them in previous sermons but we are going to bring a different dimension that can help you to know what you are doing so that when pseudo preachers, apostles and prophets comes with information that may try to derail you from that which you have been doing, you have got information. It's not the amount that you pay as tithes that protects you from uh, demonic messages or satanic or antichrist messages, but it's information that is coupled with what you do. You may be paying 10 rand as a tithe. If I come as a pseudo preacher or pastor and start to tell you other things or otherwise, you will not, you will not have a defensive mechanism or the forgings to protect yourself. I was listening to a certain uh, professor, he's a theologian, he was advocating and saying that uh, there's no need for humanity to worship Jesus Christ if we don't have a black Jesus. We need to have a black Jesus so that we may start to push the gospel. This guy was a bishop and a pastor in a proper church. He started to preach those type of demonic and satanic and antichrist message and he was chased away. Now he has got a bigger following. He's pushing that gospel. So I was asking myself that, okay, if we can have black, a black Jesus, the Arabs, they are going to say we need our our, our Arab Jesus, the Caucasians, they are going to say we need a Caucasian Jesus. The Aborigines, they are going to say we need an Aborigine type of Jesus, which means the guy is promoting polytheism in another way. Yet the gospel, it advocates for monotheism, that there is only one God. We don't worship God because of color. We worship God because he's God. Because if we worship God because of color, it means when I come to pray for power, I must pray for green power. I must pray for brown power. Power is power. God is God. So information helps you. It, it builds a forges. It, it, it builds a, a, a precursor around your life, around your mind, so that some other information that are not giving glory to God, they will not find their way and affect your decision-making as it relates to God. So, as we are going to be dealing with uh, tithes, the message that I have is the discipline of tithing, then brackets, the characteristics of a good manager. So, the one that pays tithes today, I'm going to call him a manager or a steward. So, we are going to look at the characteristics of a good manager or a good steward. Because for you to be able to pay tithes, you need to be a good steward or a good manager. So we are going to be uh, uh, looking at our proverbial scripture, that is Malachi, Malachi, uh, Malachi uh, 3, 3 uh, verse 7 to 11. 
Then we'll go to Leviticus. Let me read it from here. Um, Even from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my ordinances and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Eight, will a man rob or defraud God? Yet you rob and defraud me. But you say, in what way do we rob or defraud you? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that they may be food in my house and prove me. Now, by it says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing that there shall not be a room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and ye shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord. So if a vine is dropping its fruit before its time, it's the spirit of miscarriage. So you will not have financial miscarriages, you will not have breakthrough miscarriages. Breakthrough miscarriages are near misses. You are promised something when it's about to happen at the edge of its uh, eventuation, the person reneges and changes the mind. At the edge of the person depositing money, they change their mind. That's, that's a spirit of nearness or mis- financial miscarriage. Let's look at Leviticus 27, 32, 33. The Bible reads, and all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's seed. It is holy to the Lord. And if a man wants to redeem any of his tithe, he shall add a fifty to it. I think we spoke about it during our, our Bible sessions. And all the tithe of the land or of the flock, whatever passes under the headsman's staff, the tenth shall be holy to the Lord. So the tenth, it was not a church that decided the tenth, it's not a man, it's biblical, that we must pay tenth of whatever income that we get. The man shall not examine whether the animal is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. If he does exchange it, then both it and the animal substituted for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. So I'm going to give a synopsis on the subject of today. The first statement that I'm going to to give is going to sound uh, uh, a little bit rudimental to you, but uh, it's going to help you as we build our case. God is not interested in your tithe. For tithing, he has got nothing to do with God getting money from you. So that's the first aspect that you must know. That number one, God is not interested in my tithe. God is not interested in my money. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 24, verse 1, that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and those that indwell the world. Everything belongs to God. The 10% that I'm supposed to be paying belongs to God. So this is what God is doing to you and me, that okay, Everything belongs to me. 100% of what you have belongs to you. So God is saying now, you know it belongs to me, I just want 10% to that which belongs to me. Then keep 90%. That's the deal. Am I telling somebody in this place? Yeah. So if that is the deal, 
what God is trying to do to you and me is, if you are faithful enough to entrust me with what belongs to me, which is 10%, I'm going to give you again the forgeance or entrust you with 90%. That, that 90% is going to do more than what you thought 100% could do. Why? Because it's God. So, God, what he needs from you, because everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to God. Come on, somebody shout, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. So, it's a setup. When God does something to you, it's a setup. God is not interested much in times because God is God. God is more prosperous than any human being. So he's not interested. If I'm a billionaire today and I say, give me 10 rands, there's no interest in it. There's something, it's a setup. So I want you now to know the setup that God is placing you in. The reason why God wants that tithe an offering, number one, it is God's management training program for mankind. The reason why God is saying bring tithes is a program that you are in. Before you go to heaven, number one, he wants you to get into a training program called management. That's why I said in brackets, characteristics of a good manager. So God does not even need a rant from me or from you and me. But he told, he told me that he wants my 10% of everything that I own. So when he speaks of 10%, the reason why we read Leviticus is because we think financially, we don't think dimensionally when we think. If I got 10 pairs of shoes, one pair is 10% of what belongs to God, which means one pair does not belong to me if I got 10 pairs. If I want 10 dresses, one dress does not belong to me. This is another dimension. If I have got 10 apples with me, one apple does not belong to me. Training management, which means God has blessed us, okay, with 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day that God has given to humanity, you and me, 2 hours 40 minutes does not belong to you. It belongs to God. That's the 10% of 24 hours. So if you think financially, you find out that you are going to miss a lot. And the reason why we are getting to this place now, where we are articulating this, is because we now understand the 10%. I've been checking every Monday when I come before prayer, I usually pray for all the people that pay their tests. I know, and I always make declaration, I've realized that 90% of us, we pay tithes financially, and we are so faithful, clap as yourself. But we are transiting now to another dimension so that you know, after I pay my money, it doesn't end there. It's a strategy. It's a setup. So when you have got 24 hours, 2 hours, 40 minutes is not yours. It does not belong to you. If you happen to be sleeping and not doing anything that is kingdom related for 2 hours, 40 minutes in any way, it's not about prayer only, but in any way, you are stealing God's tithes. Which means you are a thief, as Malachi could say, that you are robbing me and you are thieves. So from today onwards, because now you know, Apostle Paul said that God has forgiven the days of ignorance. But now that you know, know that in every 24 hours, there's a 10% that does not belong to you. Sleep, all other percentages, 
do whatever you can with all other armors, but know that God expects something from you. I don't know if I'm talking somebody in this place. So how am I a thief? We are sleeping on God's time, using God's time for our benefit. So he's not going to trust you or entrust you with the time that is ahead of you. So you can pray and say, God, next year I want to be blessed and I want to be elevated. But how is he going to trust you if you are showing God's 10% of time? So from today onwards, I want to have a program, a proper program with your life. Either it will be meditation, either it will be listening to a ceremony, either it will be praying, either it will be fasting. I don't know what you're going to do. Either it will be speaking to someone about the word of God for two hours, 40 minutes. It's a way to compensate that which belongs to God. So, while everything belongs to God, God now wants you to be trained and to be a good student. I want you to shout and say, I am a good student. I, am a good student. I want you to shout that I am a good student. So, why would God demand that you put aside 10% of all? Which belongs to him because what he's looking for, number one, is looking for your willingness and ability to partner with his kingdom. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing and are you able to do that? So if you cannot manage the 10% properly, there is no entrustment that is going to be given to you. So your salvation and my salvation is premised predicated on my tithing and offerings as a child of God. Don't take that for granted. My salvation, I'll speak slowly so that it may seem easily in your spirit, and my salvation, they are predicated on my gifts, that which I give. Apostle Paul says that when I came to you to ask you for gifts and offerings, they were not going to help me but I wanted to credit your accounts in heavenly places. So we all have got accounts with FNBs, CapTech, NetBank, APSA, but there's another account that we all have. I don't know how it was opened and who opened that account for you, but I know it's God. So there's an account that has got a name. So when you give in the house of God, as Apostle Paul will say that whatever you give, it may be used in the physical ground, but in the account of heaven, there's a record. You are debiting things in the account of heaven. Am I talking about this place? Amen. Be a good manager. So, when, if my salvation is tied on my tithe, when I pay my tithe, what do I become in the eyes of God? It's a setup now, because I told you that it's a setup for you to take the 10% instead of God just take it from you, it's a setup. Number one, characteristic of a good manager or a good steward or a good tither, number one. If you pay your tithes, every day you pay your tithe, know that you have become accountable to God. So there's accountability. You become accountable. So when you become accountable, God makes you accountable again in certain areas of life. 
how do God make you accountable in matters of the elements of life if you are not accountable to him? So God is saying that before I make you accountable in any relationship, at your workplace, in everything that is to do with the, with, with the time, I want to see if you are accountable so that I may make you accountable. That's why he said, try me. So it's a trying issue. We are in a trying test. So you become accountable to God, then he makes you accountable to any paradigm of life. Number one. Number two, discipline. Come on, somebody shall discipline. So if I put aside everything that belongs to God, which is 10%, so God is recorded as discipline, but when you are discipline, discipline in the things of God, God gives you the power to control. The Bible says you shall subdue. You have dominance. So that discipline over the pain of times, God, when he exchanges, he gives you the power to control things. You then control. Because now you are disciplined, you can control what comes to you. You are getting 20,000, you take 2,000, you give it to the house of God, through discipline, then he gives you control over his nature. He gives you control over the systems of life. Because there is the miraculous nature of God and the systematic nature of God. There are things that God is going to do in your life through miracles. And there are things that he's going to do systematically. And the things that he said systematically, they will never be overridden by miracles. Number one, God created Adam and Eve. After Adam and Eve, they will become there was a reproduction. The Bible says children are a blessing and a gift that comes from God. So if children are a blessing that comes from God, I must subject myself systematically to the law of reproduction. Because even though I can come and pray here for a child, which is a gift that is coming from God, a child is not going to come to the channel of miracles. I need to set myself get married or marry, then I subject myself under the production. I imagine some of this place. The Bible says, miraculously, God said to the trees, come out. And trees came out of the ground. But after that, he spoke a word systematically and said, you are going to produce after your own kind. Which means the miracle was on the day the tree was brought from the ground. But the system now is reproduction. So there is the miracle part of God and the systematic part of God. What needs to be done systematically will always be done systematically. That's why you find out that sometimes when it rains, it's a miracle. You can pray, but when the rain or water is about to go back and become again rain, then it must be subjected under a cycle. Evaporation, condensation, precipitation. That's why the Bible says, Elijah said unto his servant, I want you to go and check to the waters and see this inactivity so that rain may come. So there's a relationship between the systematic nature of God and the miracle. Elijah is praying for a miracle. What's up, short miracles? But he's not saying to the servant, go to the church and see the glory there. He's saying, go to the waters and see this inactivity. Why? He's accepting and appreciating that for the rain that I'm praying for to come down, there must be a process. Because it's systematic. I don't know if I'm going to this place. So God is saying that for me to give you control, 
over diseases, over poverty, be disciplined. How do I be disciplined? I give you everything that I own, 100%. But why I give you, give me that 10. And I don't need it again if you give me it. I want to tell you right now that whatever I pay to God, it was never used in heaven for anything. Because heaven is beautiful. Do you think that my 10 rand is with any work in heaven? It, it has got to work here to push the agenda of heaven. 10 rand is not being used for your whatever time that you are paying. It's not being used to, 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 to pay angels that are working for God. God is the billionaire of billionaires. He's a zillionaire. God is a prisoner. God is with everything. God, when he deals with angels, he deals with them on the aspect of reality. They are loyal to God. God does not pay the creatures to protect him. There's no need for you to pay. So my money, God does not need it, but he's looking for discipline and accountability. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. Number three, he's looking for honesty. Is a good manager, if you get to workplace, they must be accountability. I know all people that are managers. They must be disciplined. They must be honesty. For you to be a tither, honestly, it means no one is watching you when you pay your tithes or when you take what you take from the money that you have. Your honestness is the one that is going to work. So the pastor or the prophet, when you pay 500 dollars, we just assume that is the 10% of whatever you've gotten. But your honestness now is between you and God. When you become that honesty, God makes sure that everyone who comes to you becomes honest. When you are praying now for disconnectors, God will not allow those that are dishonest to come to you. When you are praying for a relationship, God will not allow those that are dishonest to come and propose anything to you. Why? Because there was honestness. That moment when you are hiding and taking what you are taking and placing in the envelope, as these envelopes, what is working and functioning there is honestness. Between you and God, it's a setup. So you set you up and say, I'm not going to ask the pastors to come to your house or to ask administrators, but this is a setup. Are you going to be honest enough to bring up something? So when you come now and go back and sit down, God is happy because of my honestness. Then number four, when I pay times, I become diligent. So diligence, it means I've worked so hard, or you work so hard consistently to make sure that you don't steal from God. The Bible says you are stealing from me and you're helping me. But diligence is the one now, now that gives you the F, that gives you that motivation or enthusiasm so that I work so hard so that I don't steal from God. But you can only do that through diligence. So when I act in diligence, the Holy Spirit and His power, He empowers me so that I went consistently so that I don't steal from you. So not stealing from God, it doesn't come from any discipline that comes from you. You need the power of God now to give discipline in you or in me so that that discipline is the one now that controls me. And you think like it's you, but God has looked and saw diligence. Then He says to Himself or to the Spirit of power, go and empower my daughter. That's why it becomes his now to share with him diligence. Come on, Sabasha, diligence. Number five, faithfulness. Faithfulness. 
So when I pay again, I acted faithfully, which means God again now is going to reciprocate faithfully in my life. When I pray, things will start to happen faithfully because I acted in faithfulness. And a lot of people, they are not faithful. I pray that I hope that you're not my pattern and pass of those people. The last one is trustworth. Come on, somebody shout trustworth. So for you to be a good manager or to manage your time, God must trust you. God must trust you. Without that trust, you cannot be able to manage your time. So which means if I cannot manage my time, the spirit of trust will not be given to me. All these things that we're talking about, diligence, accountability, honesty, faithfulness, and trustworthy, these are spirits. So for them to be according to me, God must entrust me. So these are the characteristics of a good manager. Matthew 6, verse 14. Jesus exhibited the characteristics of a good manager when he fed about 5,000 people. The Bible says they were sitting down listening to Jesus Christ's ceremony and it was about to get dark. And the disciples went unto Jesus Christ and they said, these people, they are fainting with hunger. And Jesus Christ said, we, we cannot save them hungry or fasting. Then the disciples said unto Jesus, we don't have anything. We only have got a boy that has got five loaves of bread and two fishes. Jesus Christ says unto his disciples, okay, bring those loaves of bread and the fish. And when the Bible, when Jesus Christ spoke to the disciples, he then said unto the disciples, go and tell the people to sit down. Bible says they were set in groups of hundreds and fifties. These people were many. Those that were recorded did not include women and children. There were so many. So when they were put in hundreds and fifties, I want to show you the characteristics of Jesus Christ being a good manager or a good steward. When they were they were they were they were they were, they were uh, set in hundreds and fifties, that was indicative to administration. So Jesus Christ now is teaching his disciples good administration that before you feed people, be able to put things in different structures, put things in different sets so that you manage them. You don't put things that belongs to uh, creditors to deities. Those that belong to creditors must be put there. Those that are supposed to go out must be put there. That was administration. Those that are receiving you must put them there. And then the Bible says, then he took five loaves and two fishes. That's resources. Come on, somebody show resources. So he needed resources to work with God. Then the Bible says, he then looked up to the heavens to the one who owns your tithes, who owns everything that you own. Then he thanked him for letting him use them. That's appreciation. So when I take the money that I have, I break it as he broke the bread, as he broke and prayed for the food. What I'm doing is I'm taking back the resources to the one as a good administrator or manager. Then I say, I thank you, God. That's appreciation. Then the Bible says he broke them and he said to the disciples, give to the people. That's the power of delegation. I know that at our places, we work with the delegation. After that, 
the Bible says he also divided the two fishes among them and they all ate and they were satisfied. When they all ate and satisfied, that was good customer sense. So Jesus Christ was a good manager, a good steward, who knew administration, who knew resources, how they work, that they belonged to God, even though he was God. Then he knew how to appreciate, to delegate, and to do customer service. And he said unto his disciples, I want you to pick all the crumbs, then bring them to me. The reason why he's saying bring all the crumbs, do you think Jesus Christ was, was in need of all those breadcrumbs, or the bones of the fishes that were left by 5,000 people? After 5,000 he left, he said, go and pick everything. The reason why he's saying go and pick, he's trying to teach the disciples now that you must send waste the resources that I give to you. He didn't need the crumbs, and they didn't even take the crumbs home. But he was teaching them that as a good manager, don't waste your resources. But how do you waste resources? By not being accountable. How do you waste your time? By not being diligent. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. So the Bible speaks of God opening the heavens, God allowing the blessing to fall in your life. Come on, somebody shout, the blessing of God is falling upon my life. A tither who does not give free will lives under an open heaven but with empty pockets. I have seen people with their green ties when sometimes I'm standing there, they usually don't pay fruits because they have an envelope. You attach your envelope and you free So if you pay your tithes without paying your food, it means that you are going to operate under an open heaven or an empty store. Uh, yes. God speaking to you, you feel the anointing of God. You have got revelations as a child of God. You pray for hours. People, when they look at you, they attest that Jesus is working in your life. But when you look in your pocket, there's nothing in your pocket. Okay, another statement. A giver who does not tithe his little pockets due to the devourer and encounters closed doors. So I'm a giver now. I have decided, child of God, that okay, I'm not going to participate in tithes. I'll participate in offerings. You are not, you are going to heaven. I focus as a child of God. Then you will be dealing with the devourers and encounters of the devil. But this last statement is a deliverance. A believer who is both a tither and a giver is open heavens and full pockets in his life. There's open heavens and full pockets. Okay, let me now explain all these three statements. The tithes that I give establishes a trust relationship between me and my God. While offering establishes the depth of your love for God. So when I pay tithes now, tithes they establish my position in the things of God. Then when I pay offerings, offerings now, they determine the depth of blessing that comes to life. So which means I pay tithes, there's an establishment by open heavens. But offering now, they establish depth of what comes. It's another thing for you to have an open heaven, but it's another thing to experience the depthiness of open heaven. I don't know if I'm bringing someone in this place. In closing now, let's just uh, shift the banner of this shotgun. Let's look at the Mosaic law. 
We have heard people saying that uh, the people of Christ ended uh, when Jesus Christ came and started with the law of Moses. I'm here to tell you that times they didn't start with Moses, they were there even before Moses came into the picture. That's why you find out that prophecy, even before prophets were coined prophecy, it was there. But it's because people had not coined it, you find out that whatever Adam did in the Garden of Eden was prophetic. The Bible says an empty was just placed before Adam. And Adam said, this one is an ant. It did not name. A big animal, an elephant passed. Then Adam said, we are an elephant. Giving them identity, that's prophecy. Why? Because he had the ability and the forgeries to tell in God's mind. Then borrows from God's mind. Then he speaks to the things and to nature. That's prophecy. Only in Genesis 20, verse 7, that's where God now started to establish the word prophetic. The Bible says, Adam's wife was taken by Abelic, and God said, Adam Abelic, leave the wife. But this man is a prophet. That was the first time the word prophecy was mentioned. But at the time of Sethi, there were already people that were prophesying. When the, the Bible says, in the days of Sethi, men started to call unto God. They would started to call and started now to venture into dimensions that were revelatory, where they could understand the names of God. Because that time, they just knew God as a creator, as God. They didn't know God as Jehovah. They didn't know God as Yeshua. They didn't know God as Magadishim. But in the time of Sethi, that's when God now was telling not Jehovah, Jehovah, in the time of Sethi. How did he manage to do that? He didn't check in any encyclopedia, but he checked in the mind of God, then prophesied, and said, this God that you are worshipping, you are getting tired of saying God, God. He can't be called Yeshua. He's Jehovah, he's Yahweh. In the time of Sethi, and I don't somebody in this place. So giving, again, typing, and whatever, they were already there. I want to show you something. I, I, I was studying one of the modules that I'm doing written by one of the best scholars. The Jewish community, they had a different way of approaching the council tithing. Up to this present day, as we pay 10%, the Jewish community could pay 25% even up to now. Of their times, I was shocked to know that. Right now in Africa, pastors, we are debating about 10% sister Emma. But there are people that are paying 25% of everything that they have. And the reason being that they said this God is too huge. He's a great God. They know Aaron and Moses said 10%, but they said for us, we pay 25%. Up to today, I don't know if I'm bringing somebody in this place. What because of their understanding of who God is? Old Testament Jewish community, you understand that when God's people left Egypt, there were set rules that were set for them, and they took those set rules and acted upon those set rules. Then, uh, because of the abundance, there was a time God could make them to have abundance. So they said, because of this abundance, because of this health from January up to now, because of this family that God has given me, because of this favor upon my life, I'm speaking to you now in this dispensation. Because of this provision, I'm going to shift and change the aspect. So they said, okay, on our tithes, we are going to provide God 
with a certain percentage, which is 10%, to make it 25%, then again, we are going to provide for the needy. The needy, they were in two categories. They had the poor and the strangers. God said unto the Israelites, because the strangers in Egypt, when you have the sea, your fields, don't take everything. It must be a deliberate act to leave things deliberately, don't clean everything. Deliberately leave things so that the strangers may come and kick. After they pick, they will have food. So they said, okay, all the 10% we are going to give God. Then the 15%, it will be a tithe again that we are going again to provide for the needs and for the strangers. So to follow this structure and system that they set for themselves, they had to put a three-tire system. Come on, somebody shout. Three-tire system. The first tire system was, the first tire was 10% of all yearly produce. So they could give their produce, their kettles, their flocks, and that was used to support the priests, the Levites, who had no land. That's Leviticus 27, 30 to 34. So that 10%, it was to, pro to provide provision for the Levites. You know God said unto Moses, as you are going to apportion these people, the Levites who had dedicated their lives to work for God, they were not given fiscal rent. And God said, I shall be their economy. So 10% was to provide for the Levites and the priests. Number two, the second tithe, it was referred as the festival tithe, which was taken from the remaining 90% are come on somebody. They have already taken 10%, they are left with 90%. They had what they used to call the festival tithe which they could take from the 90% why to purchase food and animals for offering in Jerusalem. So they knew that every time, and again, we're supposed to offer in Jerusalem, that's Deuteronomy 12, 5 to 7, they knew that we're supposed to offer so that they could put aside, come on somebody, putting aside Sister Sigmund, money to know that during the year i'm going to buy mics chairs if the pulpit is broken i'll buy it it takes discipline i'll buy water for the dishes if chairs like some of our chairs are broken why because of usage you put aside sister lisa you've paid your tithes but you put aside it it takes maturity so it was called festival typing because god Say unto them, you shall do festivals. I think we'll talk about festivals another time. I get the opportunity. There were uh, festivals of the tabernacle, festivals of the sheaves, and different festivals. They could put aside from 90%, but they never go broke. The third one was called a charity tithe and was given uh, in every third year for orphans, widows, and strangers. Deuteronomy 26, 12, 14, 20 to 29. It was called a charity tithing. From 90%, take out one that belongs to God, the priesthood, then they take out the festival tithe, then they take the charity tithe. They would go to the Egyptians, well, the Egyptians that followed them, and some other foreign nations, 
That is to say, we them. They could create a pool of family and give to them through their monies. So when they could come to the house of God or to the priests, it was tithe written in Malachi, festival tithe, then sherets tithe. That belongs to orphans. After church orphans were fed, they could buy clothes for orphans, buy food for orphans, shelter the orphans. I don't know if I am motivating somebody in this place. So the difference between the Levitical or the priesthood tithing and the festival tithe was that Levitical tithe could be eaten anyway by Levites. Wherever they were, they could use it, appropriate it anyway. But when it comes to festival tithe now, it, uh, it was eaten only in Jerusalem. So whenever there's festival, people are supposed to go to Jerusalem. Then they eat the festival time in Jerusalem. But for the Levites and the priests, wherever they are, they could eat. So the recipient of the Levitical tithe were the Levites and the priests. And the recipient of the festival time were all Israelites. It had no demographic. When you pay your 10%, it was supposed to go to the priests and the Levites. But when it comes to the festival, it was for all the Israelites. I don't know if I'm talking somebody in this place. So the purpose of the Levitical tithes was to compensate and reward the Levites, number one, for their duties in the house of God, and again, for the lost land that they could not get. And the purpose of the festival tithe was to teach Israel to fear the Lord. Let's eat, but you must know that your God is a provider, so that when he comes and say, Abraham, I need Isaac, fear him. When he comes and says, I need this shit, so let's eat, let's have what we have, so that when he demands something, you're afraid. So you find out now in closing that all the people that are opposing the pain of choice in any aspect of life, they are doing it, and their argument is based on the silence number one of scriptures. It takes revelation for you to, to glean some of the mysteries that are with these scriptures. So the scriptures, they act as if they are silent in some matters. If you are not attuned to the Holy Spirit, there are things that you think that they started to be acted in the time of Melchizedek because of the silence. So they argue that, number two, there is a preposition that is aimed at nullifying scriptures. So you are going to find out that the day we are going to accept as the body of Christ and as people that a certain activity or act biblically is no longer applicable to our generation, we are going to lose the efficacy of scriptures. Then you will close that chapter, which is an Antichrist program. Then they are going to move again to sin and righteousness and say, Grace, it can. There's no need for one to live in sin and righteousness. Then we are losing again the efficacy of scriptures. So it's a clear position of people that are trying to modify scriptures. You know, there are people right now that have been ordained and that have been given power from another kingdom to make sure that by the time we reach 2040, some scriptures will not be relevant to spend dispensation. So we need to protect scriptures with all our abilities. 
After that, when we agree and say offerings, they were an Old Testament practice. They are going to come again into the aspects of mercy, aspects of, of, of doctrine, the church doctrine. Apostle Paul gave a problem with such people. He went unto Galatia, taught Galatia scriptures from Genesis Revelation. They understood scriptures, they understood the importance and impact of scriptures. Then when Apostle Paul left him and went to Lystra, for some years that was in Lystra, the Bible said they arose people. They started out to teach them wrong doctrines and said the Christ that you are talking about did not die. He was just a political leader. There was no Christ, David was not the king. When Apostle Paul arrived, these people were repentized. They were not uh, under grace. They were not respecting righteousness and holiness. They were not respecting love. And Apostle Paul says unto the Galatians, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? By taking uh, away from the doctrine that was presented to you by me and other apostles, Jesus Christ was crucified before you, and you are tasted his death, but now you are standing and saying Jesus Christ did not die for us. Then Apostle Paul was correcting the doctrine. He went unto Antioch. Antioch, it was a place of dissidence. Imagine to survive this place. When he went to Antioch, there was a church through from dusk to dawn. When you live in Antioch, you were supposed to go inside at around 5 p.m. because people were fighting and killing each other. When Apostle Paul entered Antioch, coming from Tarsasi, he saw a signpost written to an unknown God. Then when he saw the signpost, he realized that the scriptures have been tempered with there is an unknown. There were philosophers and theologians that sat down and agreed that yes, there is a known God who created the universe, but there is an unknown God who created the stars, who created the moon, who is above everything, who is above the God that is known. When Apostle Paul entered Antioch, he was so touched and perplexed. Then he started to preach the good gospel, bringing back the scriptures that are being taken and plucked out of the Bible. As he was preaching, the Bible says people believed in preach of the gospel of Apostle Paul. And this prevailed. That was the first time for peace to prevail in Antioch. And they declared shalom to all of the people that were in Antioch. Then they looked at Apostle Paul from afar. They followed and said now to follow his blessing, follow his death follow his culture, which was the kingdom culture. When they did that, within some months, the world Antioch was influenced by the kingdom culture of God. Then when people from Alexandria, from Jerusalem, looked at the people in Antioch, they said, these ones are like Christ. That's why they were first termed the Christians in Antioch. They are speech and everything. So I'm here to encourage somebody that everything that was written in the Bible, believe it in its totality, and it's going to bless you. Don't skip what you feel like it does not act. And God is in heaven and God sees. For blessings to come to you, understand how God operates in his systems. Subject yourself under the systems of God. If God is a God of power, subject yourself under the power of God. Malachi says you are cursed with a curse. Why? Because you are touching that which 
who doesn't belong to you. I want to prophesy this afternoon that let the Holy Spirit and God give us the power, the conscience, and the intelligence to know things that are hidden about every act and practice that we do in this kingdom. I prophesy that when windows of heaven are going to open to you, don't only enjoy the windows of heaven, understand the literature that comes with open windows and ageless to God. Whatever you bring to God, the Bible says, give and shall give it unto you. Men give it unto person. Press down, shake it together, give it back to you. So that's why God is saying this afternoon that when you give that 10 percent, I'm gonna press it down. Shaking. The reason why God is pressing and shaking, He wants the blessing to fill the whole container. He presses down, He shakes so that every corner is filled. So when you get the package that comes from God, it's a full package. Press down and shake. There are angels that are responsible waiting to fill your buckets. Shake your buckets. Press down. Give it back to you. Different from people of this time. I was traveling to a certain year, going from, I think I was coming from a certain city to another city. I wanted to buy vendors. They were in a team and they were looking so fresh. And I said, let me buy. When I wanted to buy, somebody said, no. The mangoes, they don't feel and they are not at the best of the team. And I checked it. I don't know how. Technically, they know how to make the mango to sit from the center of the of, of the bucket that we're using, halfway upwards, halfway down was it was empty. Not shaking the only first together, but not to the God. I cannot go sign like a feelings. The Bible says when Abraham made him a piece of he prophesied unto your pizza And your pizza when he looked unto Abraham, he saw a man that was going to change people's lives. Without Melchizedek demanding anything from Abraham, he saw something in Abraham in Melchizedek. The Bible said Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Salem so comes from the word Jerusalem, and the word that is translated as peace. You are the king of peace. He saw Melchizedek as a pre-incarnate theophanic manifestation of God and said, I'm going to give what I have. The Bible says he kept all that he had. Then when Jesus Christ is coming in the book of Isaiah 9 verse 6, the Bible says, his name shall be called Prince of Peace. Abraham met with the King of Peace. Isaiah is meeting with the Prince of Peace. So when Melchizedek gave, uh, Abraham gave to Melchizedek, it seems like Abraham is giving to the man that was giving to God. And God was pleased. And see what God did to Abraham. Collected the ten percent, the tithing. And God said unto Abraham in the name of Melchizedek, that your children, they shall be many like the sand of the seashore. The blessing that are going to come upon life. The world cannot contain, up to now, we cannot contain Abraham's blessing. That's why we always say Abraham's blessing, of course. And God said unto Abraham, 
I'm saying to you from being exalted to a man of faith, a woman of influence, can I prophesy to somebody in this place that the moment you start to act according to God's principles, the Holy Spirit and God is going to shift you, transform the right to life from being an exalted woman to become a woman of influence. What God wants with our life is influence. We can pray and pray and pray and pray, but we're not going to actually the level at which God wants us to actually until we start to understand this much nature. That's why you find out that when you come to the house of God and start to pray, prayer is going to give you revelations. Sister, you become a woman of revelation because prayer is not a success equation. Giving is then a success equation. So you can pray every now and again. Pray unto God, bless my children, bless my life, bless my destiny, bless my mind. God is going to release revelations to you. Because prayer, yes, but it's only equation, revelation, revelation of knowledge, prophecy. You will see vision, you will Why? Because I woman in the name of prayer. Because when you want to prosper, understand that decision making and strategy, thinking and giving is a strategy. It is in the success equation. So if I want to be successful, I must think strategically. Ah, am I going to say this place? I must know where to give and the treasures to put my money. Ah, I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. That's why the Bible says, in blessing Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Whoever will try to kiss you, I'm going to kiss. No devourer is going to be found in your hands or knock at your door. Why? Because I'm going to bless you. God said to Abraham, I sent you out and proved to me that I'm righteous. God said to Abraham, bring Isaac, sacrifice Isaac to me. What's this? That was a setup. I'm not going to tell Sarah, but no, this is a setup. You know, God is about to set you up. But that setup is going to give you a step up to something. Everything that God does to you is a setup. He says, pray, as if he cannot bless you without praying. He says, read the word, study, as if he cannot touch you without doing that. It's a setup. I don't know if I'm talking to in this place. He's saying, fasting, as if he's powerless. You know, there's a that God escaped his powers. He wants you to fast, he wants you to pray. As if he cannot save you, as he can save you, he's setting you up. The Bible says when Abraham was about to crucify the child, that when God said your past bitches sin. I want you to look and see there is a realm taking a sacrifice. So when God is coming to Brian, that's Brian. Whatever I get you, give me this. It's a setup. The moment I slay it, He's going to give you more. How can I prophesy like a friend? Isaac is going to be a typology of Christ. That is, Christ is going to be sacrificed. The Bible says he's going to draw many out his kingdom. Any trajectory, any spirit that has been fighting you from understanding, grasping, working, and applying the principles of God is standing by fire right now. Sign of a life, any devourer that was taking advantage of your ignorance, right now I prophesy that it will not take advantage of your life. I prophesy the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He 
God, but there is a nation that must support a couple your life for God. God is not going to just say, yes, she loves me. There must be actions in between that show that you love God. Malachi says that your fields are not going to keep fruits before their time. I prophesy to every time the prayer in this place that whatever spirit of miscarriage, financial miscarriage, that has been hovering to make your life is coming to an end. Whatever spirit of me and this in your life, where you miss your breakthrough at the age of it being breaking forth, I prophesy that you are going to receive your miracle in this totality. You are not going to have a one big miracle in life. The Bible says, when Jesus Christ tried the men who could not see, he said unto the men after putting the sun and the light upon his eyes, what do you see? And the men says unto Jesus, I see many like trees. And Jesus Christ said, That's a great package. Go to the river. It feels like Jesus Christ, he was, he, 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 he was endless when he was doing what he was doing. But he knew that this man must be subjected under my principles. Jesus would just say, Speak and make great sin. The Bible says, After putting the mud, he says unto men, Go. I have seen Jesus Christ. Wash your face. After washing your face, the Bible says, The men respected Jesus Christ's word. When the men respected the word, he came back sin. So sometimes Jesus Christ in life is going to act as if he's powerless. He's going to act as if he does not have an idea about your life. But the moment that you act according to his principles, to his trusted existence, God is going to bless you. The Bible says when he was walking on water, defying the powers of nature, the disciples, they say he's a ghosting together with Peter. But Peter, being clever, he says unto Jesus Christ, if you are the master, bid me to come. And the Bible says, Jesus Christ said unto Peter, come. Peter, is this coming unto Jesus Christ? You must walk in on the word called come. The principles of God. It says, walk in on the word come. The Bible says, they were seized the structures of elements of life that started to blow and whisper in Peter's ears. Peter shifted his focus from Jesus Christ to God and the finish of his faith and he started to sink until Jesus Christ came and brought Peter. So when you walk according to the principles of God, you are going to sink. Nature is not going to sink you. Can I prophesy like a feeling? Nothing is going to be possible with you. You are going to change your life and the life of your generations. Why? Because you carry Abraham's blessing. God sent unto Abraham, I serve your reward. The Bible says, He who receives a prophet in a prophet's name shall receive the reward of a prophet. What is this reward of a prophet? God said unto Abraham, I shall be your reward and I shall be your shield. So whenever I receive a prophet, I receive God as a reward. Don't be like to you that when you receive a prophet, you receive a God, you receive God. Because when you receive a prophet, you receive the God of a prophet. When you receive a prophet, you don't receive kindness. You receive the God of the prophet because he said unto Abraham, I shall be your word. Can I prophesy like a field in this place? No demon is going to make you poor. Your generation is not going to become poor. I 
sign that God is going to bless you with the bread. He says, and his disciples will pray, pray like this. That our Father who art in heaven, our Lord is that marriage. The kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. I got to prophesy this afternoon that you are not going to be spreading when I think you are blessed. You are not going to be spreading. But the Bible says when Naomi that there was bread in Jerusalem, but in Judah, she said unto all the book, I'm going back. But because God has remembered me with bread, can I talk to somebody in this place? Thank <laughs> you. 
she begs an agreement that can definitely be negative. And she said, up to that, I know what you think I am blessing for you. If you give me a job today, I'm going to give back the job at you. And the Bible says, God gave her a sorrow. If you look at the life of sorrow, sorrow was very potentially huge. Out of sorrow, the relationship that were better, out of sorrow, out of sorrow, the communities that were better, out of sorrow. Wars of knowledge, wars of honor, wars of diligence and accord. 
a rose child of God if you fight the battles and you win God is going to give you the rose if you fight the battles and you win God will extract your rose because in this kingdom it's what a better ranking you got to win your battles are you fighting at the stage you win the battle God gives you a ranking Help me, O oh God, to be 
faithful with all the resources that you have given unto me. In my 24 hours, I shall be resilient to dedicate my 2 hours and 40 minutes for your purposes. So I do be like together. Give me that spammer that will help me to fight and win battles. Say I declare I declare. Oh Lord my God. As I prophesy right now. I declare all the things that I see that you've given unto to me. Percent of them belongs to you. My children, my education, my properties, my mind, my money, they belong to you. So I acknowledge that you have given me ownership, all my resources. Let me be a good steward. Of your resources. Say, I declare I declare. Let the spirit that was upon Abraham, spirit of giving, spirit of letting go, empower my life. If you demand my child, I will give you all God. If you demand my time, my time to you. Say, I declare I declare. Forgive me, all God, for taking ownership, controlling that which do not belong to me. That in fullness, the resources and the world belongs to you, all God. Say, I declare I declare. Accountability will be my number one priority. See, I declare I declare. No one is partnered with you and remain poor. The disciples they give the 10% of their entire life to fish people for you, Jesus. Let your mercy and your grace 
Your be right now. Say, I declare that it's clear. Rebuke divorce from your family. Parasitic relationships. I pass. Say, I declare that it's clear. Give me the diligence of Nehemiah. The Bible says he was building fight in the center. Help me to build my life. What fight my demons? Say, I refuse the spirit of concentrating with the fighting demons. But I take the spirit of progression. What I'm dealing with my past. What I'm dealing with my leg. What I'm dealing with my inadequacy. I progress in life. Say, I declare I declare. I may not have money to fit my studies. You devil of poverty. I want you right now. I progress in my education. Say, I declare I declare. I may not have money to build my company, to build my house. I take the sword of the spirit, fight these demons that are fighting my progress. Then I set my mind and I progress. I progress. Say, as I start Monday, all the bills and projects. But I stopped because of lack. I'm receiving those projects. Perfect, I will fight you. But my projects are going to do. Perfect, I will fight you. But my children will go to school. Perfect, I will fight you. But my life will change. Perfect, I will fight you. And I will buy houses. And put your hands together. Find your demons where you're making it. Be like the four neighbors. They said that if we continue to be at the death of Samaria, we are going to die because of lepers. We will rather die more and fancy. I promise you my life. They have that mentality that I will have lepers in my finances, but I will rather die for you. The greatest tragedy in life is not to fail, but failing to try. I promise you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, you better try to think that you think that you can do. Right now, stand there. In the name of Jesus Christ, if you are going to live a fulfilled life, try. If you fail, God will give you power to make it. Failures in life are those people that do not try. Failures in life are those people that continue to sit in their mother and brother's place and say, if Teddy was alive, I would have been better. If my brother had given me money,
Jesus. So I'm not going to buy bread. Eat bread. Buy it right now. Galuta, galuta. Sometimes if your money is not enough, you better use it to buy bread. So that when you come to poverty, you will come to poverty while you are full. Can I promise you like a spirit? Lord, I'm against you, Lord. 
I say no one from that has to prosper. No demons from your past will stop your progress. I said no demons from your ancestors will stop your progress. No discouragement or conspiracy will put you down. I am to listen to this place. No conspiracy will destroy your life. No devourer will devour your destiny. No sympathy in his order will destroy your children in life. Amen. Better listen to this place. Not to buy asleep from the reach of darkness. It's going to stop your progress. Amen. In these last days of 2023, I prophesy, let God bless you. Amen. Let God surprise you with the miracle. Amen. I decree that you right now. Amen. Whatever you have written down, I prophesy after this service, let God speak to save his angels of your life. Amen. Tables that do not want to see you progressing. Right now, as I pray, they are being cut by the power and the blood of Jesus. I cut any demonic zombie. I seek to sanctify your life in the name of Jesus. Your children will not be zombies and scream. I cut those demons right now. The name of Jesus Christ. No ancestral spirit that is going to affect your life, threaten your life in the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. Every blessing that must come to you is coming to you right now. No more near misses in your life. No more misgivings in your life. At the age of a miracle, a near miss, I promise you no more near miss. No more demonic surprises right now. I declare demonic surprises. I can't be a power of You are a rising child of God. I see it right now. You are rising every Every spirit of ignorance that was stopping you from rising, I cut it. Right now, I cut it. Any spirit that was fighting you from not paying attention to details, I cut. I cut. I cut. I cut. I cut. You are born to prosper. You are an accountable person. You are an honest person. You are a trustworthy person. You are a disciplined person. In Jesus' mighty name, say this after me. May the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of our Father God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Ghost, rest upon my life. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me, shall follow my family, shall follow my business. Shall follow my destiny. Shall follow my calling. All the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Put your hands together. Put your hands together.